Fucking Barrett. Last orders at the China ship. We're a dodgy family. Always have been. My mum was born in a pub and she's rarely been out of one since. That's what people like to say. They don't mean to be unkind. They think they're being funny. And there's more than a bit of truth to it. She's never been able to hold down a proper job. She's drifted in and out of cleaning, working on the checkouts, that kind of thing. She's a dreamer, really. Spends a lot of time off in her own little world, but she does her best. And it helps that there's just the two of us. We've lived in the same tiny flat since I was born, and despite everything, I'd say we get on better than most mothers and daughters. She's proud of me, I know that. I haven't done great at school, but I've kept out of trouble. And though I'm not academic, my teachers tell me I have a talent for the performing arts. Mrs McGowan, the English teacher, she even said that I should think about drama school. Mum was thrilled. And then Ishita started. She was shy at first, and she was certainly different. Different because she was obviously rich. Her mum dropped her off every morning one of them enormous Porsche people carriers. I don't know why she couldn't walk like the rest of us. It wasn't more than ten minutes from her house. And they shouldn't have done it, really, because it just made the other kids resentful. They picked on her, they shunned her and said things behind her back. But I liked her well enough. And she loved it that I was the drama queen. She wanted to know everything about school plays and auditions and all that. She hung on my every word. After a couple of weeks, she even invited me round for tea. (laughs) I'd never been anywhere for tea before. It was amazing. They had a lovely house, done up beautiful, separate bedrooms for each of the kids, and they were all so nice to me. There were plates of them funny little Indian cakes you see up Brick Lane, and they asked me questions as if they were really interested. All of them did. The mum, Ishita's brothers, and even the dad when he got in from work. I went back home full of it. I told mum every detail I could remember. She was on the gin and by the looks of it, she'd probably been drinking for most of the afternoon. But I could tell that something had caught her attention because she seemed to be listening more carefully than usual. This ass of theirs, she said. Tell me again, what did it look like, you know, from the outside? I did my best to explain. It wasn't a regular house. It was sort of triangular shaped in a space where two roads came together. And it didn't have a garden or anything. The windows looked straight out onto the pavement. Do you think it might have been a pub once? She asked. I wasn't sure. I suppose there was something pub-like about it, but it was hard to say. All right, she said. Well, tell me the name of them streets again. One was Nightingale Lane. The other was Red Something Street. Redmond Street? Maybe. Do you know what, she said, and there was suddenly a light in her eye. I think that was your grandpa's old pub. I was taken aback. I knew my grandparents used to have a pub and I knew it was somewhere in the East End, but I had no idea it was so close to us. It was strange Mum had never pointed it out to me. In fact, she'd never really told me anything about Grandpa at all. Do you think that next time you go, 
she said. Do you think you could get an invite for me too? (laughs) Obviously that was a non-starter, but there was no need to tell her that. I was happy she was interested. Course I can, Mum. As it turned out, there was no chance. My friendship with Ashita ended at 11.15 next morning. That was when the cast list for the school play went up. It was Macbeth. I don't know if you know it, but there's only one decent part for girls, and guess what? There it was, on the cast list. Lady Macbeth, Ishita Gupta. Oh, I could see now why she'd been so interested in everything I had to say. She'd picked my brains clean, hadn't she? And turned it all to her advantage. Crafty little minx. To make things worse, I didn't get Lady Macduff. I didn't even get a look in as a witch. I was Lennox, which is obviously a bloke's part. Mrs McGowan said I should be pleased because it's all about gender-neutral casting these days. Like hell. It was a crap part, and by the time she cut the script, it was hardly worth turning up for. When I got back from school, there was a note from Mum to say she'd gone to visit my nan. It wasn't something she did a lot, even though Nan only lived a mile or so across the river. Nan had been in a home for the last few years, which she hated, and it always made Mum depressed to see her. Normally, she'd have to stop for a double vodka in every pub she passed on the way back. But not this time. This time, she came back with a sense of purpose like I'd never seen in her before. Did you ask your friend about that invite? She said, almost before she was through the door. Ah... I said. I hadn't wanted to mention the Lady Macbeth business. I thought Mum might take it badly. But she didn't wait for my answer. She was off. Only it would be great if we could get a look inside. You see, I don't know if I've ever told you this, but we left something there. I'm sorry, Mum. What are you talking about? We left something... Well, it wasn't really us. It was your grandpa. He left something behind in the pub. I was beginning to think that perhaps she had been drinking because she weren't making any sense. Mum, slow down. Grandpa left something behind in his old pub. What's that got to do with anything? It must be more than 20 years ago. It's not going to be there anymore, is it? Well, it wasn't exactly like he left it. It's more like he hid it. It was something for a rainy day. That's what he called it. You know, something valuable. Like what? I don't know exactly. I've asked Janan this afternoon, but she said he never told her. But my guess is it would be something like gold or diamonds or precious stones or whatever. What? Well, he was involved in things, your grandpa was. If you know what I mean. You mean dodgy things? Mum looked embarrassed for a moment. Yes. But I wasn't surprised. Like I told you, I always knew we were dodgy. Anyway, she went on, she didn't know what it was, but she could definitely remember where it was, exactly where it was. Taped to a joist in the attic, directly above the front door of the pub. What? She still remembers after all these years? Oh, yes. If your grandpa told you something was important, you remembered it. He was quite a scary man. I didn't know what to make of all this, but I loved the way Mum was suddenly so alive, so excited. So, she said, here's the plan. You arrange the invitation, we go round there, I tell them it's where I grew up. They'll love that. And we ask them for a tour. 
We'll think of a reason to go up to the attic and then you distract him and I'll grab it. Are you sure it'll still be there? Well, the roof's still there, isn't it? Yes, then there's a good chance. It's worth a go, don't you think? I mean, what about if they just come across it one day? It belongs to us. Why should they have it? Mum was right. Why should they? But there was still something I didn't understand. If this was so important, so valuable, why didn't you take it with you when you left? Well, things were a bit difficult round that time. You know, a bit awkward. I see. I wasn't sure I did see, really. But I had the feeling that Mum didn't want to be pressed on it. I realised, though, we had to do something. Whatever was up in that attic, I didn't want Ishita to get her hands on it. And though there was no way I would be asking for another invitation, I already had a different plan taking shape in my mind, and it was a better one and all. Leave it with me, Mum. It turned out to be amazingly easy. The school play was for one night only, and it was guaranteed that Ashita's whole family would be there to watch their little darling. And of course, as soon as she went on stage, her personal possessions would be left unattended in the dressing room. It was a moment's work to slip in and take the house keys from her bag. I met Mum outside the old pub about ten minutes later. She'd had a few gins, I could smell it on her breath, but just enough to steady her nerves, not too many. So before we go any further, I said, can I check something? Are you absolutely sure this was Grandpa's pub? Oh, yes. Look at that. And she pointed to the marks left by some old lettering that had run along the wall above the window. It was very faint, but you could just make out the words. The China Ship. Was that its name? Yeah. We had a lovely picture of it. Used to hang above the door. I looked up and I could see the empty frame was still there. Yeah, said Mum. And just above the lintel, there was another sign, a smaller one. George and Maureen Cooper, licensed for the sale of wine, beer and spirits. That used to make me so proud when I was a little girl. I didn't want to be too bossy with Mum, but at the same time, I didn't want to hang about. In Mrs McGowan's new version of the play, Lennox didn't make an appearance until after the interval, which gave us enough time, but not that much. I needed to be back in half an hour at the latest. The Guptas had bricked up the original front door of the pub, so I shooed Mum round the side where they'd put in a new entrance. I clicked the key in the lock and immediately the burglar alarm started to beep. Mum looked at me wide-eyed for a moment. It's all right. I'd thought about this already. When I'd arrived with Ashita the other day, I'd been dead impressed that they had an alarm and she'd showed me the control panel behind the door. Aren't you afraid you'll forget the number? I asked. No, it's easy, she told me. It's my birthday. Silly cow. I checked it on Facebook before I came out. She was the fifth of the ninth and born in the same year as me. Done. The beeping stopped. We were in. Mum gave me a little smile. She was well impressed. Then she looked about her with a puzzled expression. We were standing in a little lobby area with loads of coats hanging from hooks and a shoe rack full of trainers. Well, this wasn't here, said Mum. Then we opened the door into the main living area. 
Mum looked around and shook her head in disbelief. My God, they've gutted the place. The downstairs was basically one big open plan room. Beige carpets, white walls, minimal, like in a magazine. The front part was a sitting area with three red leather sofas around a glass coffee table and a 75-inch plasma telly suspended from the wall. The back part was an island kitchen, all marble-topped and state-of-the-art. Double fridge freezer, double oven. Not so much as a teaspoon out of place. It's just unbelievable, said Mum, as she walked around in a kind of trance. Unbelievable. Mum, I said, I think we should get on with it. Just give me a moment, love. She stopped and looked slowly around the room. Okay, so this front part here was the main part of the pub. The back part, that was the saloon. The bar itself would have been just here in the middle. She made an oval-shaped gesture with her arm and then she shook her head. Oh, my God. It's all coming back to me. I remember when I used to come down here early in the morning. If they'd had a lock-in, Mum and Dad would be too pissed to clear up before they went to bed. Them were the days I liked best. Yeah, when I was little, this would be my Disneyland. Can you imagine it? I'd wander around the tables in me nightie, towers of pint glasses everywhere, some stacked so high they were starting to lean over at the top, ashtrays overflowing on every table. I used to pick up the butts and suck on them, pretending I was cool. Mum, I said, you won't forget why we're here, will you? But she wasn't paying any attention. And the things people used to leave behind... Coats, caps, umbrellas, of course. You'd be surprised how many people would go home and leave their wallet on the bar. Oh, I remember once I came down, I found a pair of knickers in that corner over there. Another time, there was a puppy fast asleep in a box. Mum, I'm sorry, we need to get up to the attic. I know, love, I know, but just give me one more moment. I've got to tell you this. It's just come back to me. She was standing behind one of the big leather sofas by the window. I remember this one day when I was really little, five or six perhaps. Yeah, I think it's probably my earliest memory. I came down and there was something sticky on the floor right here. I stood in it and it held onto my slipper as I tried to lift my foot up. It was the same with the other one. It it was sort of fascinating. First one foot, then the other. First one, then the other. I was doing this gooey kind of dance when my mum came down and screamed at me. She picked me up, ripped the slippers off my feet and threw them straight in the bin. I had no idea what I'd done wrong. It wasn't until years later that I realised I'd been dancing in a puddle of blood. Mum looked at me and kind of shrugged. Yeah, it was a rough old boozer. I didn't want to take on board what mum was saying right now. And I didn't want to start giving her orders, but I was starting to get anxious. Please, Mum, please. Mum snapped out of it, went to the back of the kitchen and opened a door. The stairs are still in the same place, she said. The first floor was pretty much as Mum remembered it as well, in terms of layout anyway, but I wouldn't let her dawdle in any of the rooms. Come on, 
The clock is ticking. Let's get up to the attic and find what we're looking for and get out of here. I grabbed her hand. Please, Mum. The loft trap was just where she thought it would be. But there was no ladder. We went from bedroom to bedroom, but there wasn't one to be found. I was now getting seriously worried and screwed up my eyes and tried to think. Does it have a cellar? I asked her. Well, of course it does. It's a pub, isn't it? Okay, it's only a guess, but that might be where they keep their tools, ladders, that kind of thing. What do you reckon? Good thinking, said Mum, and we ran back down the stairs. There were two rooms in the cellar, divided by a narrow corridor. The first one was a kind of den with a fancy home entertainment system. Now, I think this was where we kept the beer barrels, she said. No, Mum, not now. We need to find the ladder. All right, she said. Let's look in the gents. We stepped back out into the narrow corridor and pushed on the other door. It opened with a creak. This looked more promising. It was clearly some kind of storeroom. But Mum put her arm out and held me back at the entrance. Oh, my God, she said. I can't believe I'm here again. I don't think I came in here more than ten times in all them twelve years. But no one could forget it. It was probably the most disgusting room in the whole world. The urinals were always blocked, the bogs didn't flush properly, the floor was always awash with God knows what. I think at some point it just became too foul to clean and so no one did. I could tell from her tone that this was important to her, but we needed to get on. I pushed past her into the room... And there in the corner, behind a stack of storage boxes, was a ladder. Look, Mum, I said, result! But she wasn't listening. As soon as she stepped into the room, she was lost in her memories. The toilet stalls were just there. She pointed at a row of three built-in cupboards in front of her. And there was a little basin in the corner with a broken mirror above it. And the whole place was covered in graffiti. Oh my God, the things a little girl could learn reading some of that stuff. Mum, can you help me, please? I was on my knees trying to pull the boxes away from the wall to get at the ladder. Suddenly I stiffened. There was a noise directly above my head. We both listened for a few seconds. It's all right, said Mum. It's someone in the street outside. She pointed upwards and I could see there was a rectangle of glass bricks in the ceiling. This end of the room is underneath the pavement. (sighs) I breathed a sigh of relief. But mum, please, I really do need your help with this. We got either side of the boxes and eased them a few inches across the concrete floor. It was just enough to get at the ladder. Right, you take that end, I said to her. And then we both froze at exactly the same time. There was another noise, and this time it was definitely inside the house. Oh my God, Mum! Something's happened! They're back early! There were faint muffled voices from the floor above. What do we do? There was a sudden rush of noise as the door at the top of the stairs opened. I was panicking now. Mum! What do we do? The footsteps started to descend. Mum! Get in the cupboard! She yanked open the first door. It was shell from floor to ceiling and full of tools. The footsteps were halfway down the stairs. The second cupboard was the same. Oh, my God, they were just outside. 
Mum opened the third cupboard and we saw it was full height with a Dyson and a couple of mops and brooms. We leapt in and slammed the door. A second later, the door to the storeroom opened with a creak. All right, we know you're in here, said a man's voice. Was that Mr Gupta? He'd only said a few things to me the other day, but it didn't sound like him. Come on, don't mess us around. This was a different voice, with an old-style London accent, gruff and coarse. That wasn't Mr Gupta either, and it certainly wasn't one of Ashita's brothers. Are you being shy, George? said the first voice. George? I mouthed at my mum. We were crammed in there so tight that my eyes were only a few inches from hers. I could hardly focus, but I could tell that the blood had completely drained from her face. She looked absolutely petrified. I know that voice, she whispered. I hope George is not going to make our lives difficult. What do you think, Norman? I don't think he'd be that stupid, Danny. We got Spike with us today, George, said the first voice. You remember Spike? Say hello to George, Spike. Hello, George, said a younger voice with a horribly menacing edge to it. I know what this is, whispered Mum. Did you say something, George? said the hoarse, gruff voice. There was a pause. Mum and I held our breath. George? Did you say something? Oh, well, be like that. I should tell you something, though, Georgie. I'm afraid we made a bit of a mess upstairs. Spike got a bit boisterous, if you know what I mean. But it's all right. Your missus is clearing it up. Looks like it could do with a good clean down here as well, George. Don't half pong. I don't know how you stand it. There was another slight pause. And then the first voice started again. Look, George, I'm beginning to lose my patience. Wipe your bottom, come out and take your medicine like a good boy. We don't want to do no more damage to your lovely boozer. No, nor to your lovely family, George. Your missus has had a little accident already. And I expect your little girl is all tucked up in bed, isn't she? We could always ask Spike to go in and untuck her, of course. Would you enjoy that, Spike? Spike made a kind of gurgling noise. It fell silent again. I looked at Mum, but she was ashen, blank. All right, George, came the first voice. I've had enough of this. If you ain't coming out to play, we'd better come in and get you. Do the honours, will you, Spike? Spike grunted, and then the door at the end crashed open. Well, he's not in that one. Go on, Spike. The door next to us crashed open. He's not in that one, neither. So he must be in this one. I can't see his feet. That's because he's got himself braced between the walls. That's what you've done, ain't you, George? Oldest trick in the book. Can't be easy for a fat so like him, no. Must be getting tired, ain't you, George? There was a tapping at our door, right next to my head. Come on, Georgie Paulgie. Open up, Georgie. Mum, 
I mouthed at her. What do we do? He rapped twice, harder this time. We can't wait all day, George. It's all right, Mum whispered. I've got an idea. Well, I'm sorry you won't cooperate, George. Put your boot to it, Spike. Mum moved her hand to push open the cupboard door. No, Mum, don't! But she did. The door swung outward. I squeezed my eyes tight shut and waited for the worst. But when I opened them, there was no one there. The room was silent. I looked left. I looked right. Storage boxes. Concrete floor. Ladder. Mum stepped out of the cupboard and looked around her. It just came to me, she said. All we needed to do was open the door. I don't understand. It's because that's what your grandpa did. That's what came to me. You see, he waited until the last possible moment and then he dropped to the ground, unbolted the door and he give it him, didn't he? What do you mean? Well, he had his sawn-off shotgun with him. He gave old Danny one barrel straight in the face. Norman took the other barrel, point-blank in the chest. The young one, Spike, he backed off into the corner. He must have cowered there for a moment or two, terrified out of his wits, because your grandpa reloaded, took a couple of steps towards him and gave him both barrels in the head. Oh, my God! Of course, the police were already on their way. They'd got wind of the disturbance up in the pub. When your grandpa got to the top of the stairs, they arrested him. They took your nan in as well, and they sent a WPC up to my bedroom. She brought me down in my dressing gown, and that was it. The last time I set foot in the China ship. She paused and blinked away a tear. And then what? Your nan got five years for receiving stolen goods, and I got taken into care. Oh, Mum. Your grandpa got three life sentences. My God. Why didn't I know this before? When did he come out? He didn't. You mean he died in prison? Oh, no, love. He's still there. This was too much. Too much information. Too many things to come to terms with. And those... Those men... I could hardly get the words out. Those three men, why were they here? They'd come back for him, I suppose. Unfinished business. Unfinished business? What does that mean? Does it mean they'll come again? Before Mum had a chance to answer, we heard footsteps on the stairs above. No, Mum, no! Three sets of footsteps. Three voices. Mum? Get in the cupboard. I couldn't bring myself to move. She grabbed my hand and tugged me. Come on, love, we have to. We made it just in time. A second later, the door to the storeroom opened with a creak. All right, we know you're in here. Last Orders at the China Ship was written by Elgin Barrett and performed by Katie Cottrell. Technical presentation was by Malcolm Blackmore and music by John Woz. (laughs) 